And we're back live with another episode of the Cheesesteaks in the Southern High Level. Well, I guess it's not live for everybody listening, but obviously uh, we are back here. Sorry for missing out last week. Just couldn't uh, get to work. I uh, had some technical difficulties, but we're back. We're going to be talking some Sixers, some Flyers, some Phillies, and of course some Eagles. Eagles coming off uh, their fourth home loss of the season to the Chargers on Sunday uh, Afternoon, a 27-24 loss and a, a hard-fought game, but we'll talk about it more. But um, Austin, uh, how you feeling and uh, how you been since our listeners last heard from you? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I mean, yesterday, as frustrating as that was uh, at the end of the game, I was very encouraged. You know, I there was a lot of – I. I know a lot of people don't like to hear this, but a lot of positives I think I took out of that game. Sure. We'll get into it. Um, I know the Flyers had a frustrating loss to the Penguins, but then they came back and for two-thirds of that game dominated the Capitals. So, I mean, and and not only that, the Sixers have also been winning without Tobias, without Ben. And I know uh, as we're recording this, and the to Sixers. A point without, and to a point without Embiid. Right, and that's what I was about to say is, you know, at at this point, um, as we're recording this, Joel Embiid did not play tonight, and the Sixers just lost to the Knicks. But, I mean, they're still crippled, you know, no Matisse as well. So A lot of positives uh, with the Sixers so far. Right, yeah. So Considering everything. Yeah, considering everything, I mean, for the most part, Philly sports hasn't been the dumpster fire that I think we kind of expected. So, uh I mean, Flyers with a great start, Sixers with a great start, and the Eagles had a very well-fought game this Sunday. How about you? There, there's, there's plenty of good vibes going on around uh, the cheesesteaks in the Southern Level podcast right now, I guess you could say, about the state of Philadelphia sports. Obviously, that can change in a, a, a heartbeat, but uh, I, I agree with everything you said there. Uh, and what, let's just get into it. Let, we're, let's start with the Phillies um, since they're in the offseason here. It's going to be the quickest. Um, some of this news is obviously pretty old now, uh, almost a week old. Uh, the first one is the Phillies decline club options for next season on uh, center fielder Adubo Herrera and uh, left fielder Andrew McCutcheon. Herrera, I don't think anybody's really sad to see him go. Uh, McCutcheon, on the other hand, I think is uh, is a tough loss, especially uh, in the clubhouse there for the Phillies. Uh, I mean, I guess there's a chance they'd bring him back on a lesser contract. But, I mean, he was a fan favorite. Uh, I would have loved to see him in the playoffs in Philadelphia. But um, it is what it is. Um, I think for as short, short as he was a Philly in his career, He's going to go down as uh, one of the uh, more fan favorite, yeah. fan favorite, and memorable uh, players of this era of Phillies baseball. Yeah, you know, I think to an extent they're kind of a very similar player, um, Odubel and McCutcheon. You know, both of them when they were hot, they were hot, but when they were cold, it was kind of like, what do you do with them? But um, I mean, McCutcheon, we've been wanting McCutcheon for, I don't know, five, six years. Yeah, we yeah. we, we saw him. I mean, obviously we didn't see him every day, but being just on the other side of the state of him when he was in Pittsburgh, and uh, yeah, he disappeared out into the West Coast with San Fran for a little bit there, but 
Then he came back with the Yankees. So, I mean, Phillies fans have had their eyes on McCutcheon up close and personal for a really long time. And uh, it was nice to see him be a Philly. And if this is like the end of the road for McCutcheon in Philadelphia, because I, I don't think they bring him back. No, I don't either. I think, you know, they they have their aspirations on the playoffs. I know, like you yeah. said, we didn't we didn't hit the playoffs, but there's upgrades there that have to be made, you know, and and sure. a guy may maybe things are different if he didn't tear his ACL. Yeah. You, know, you just but, don't know. But at the end of the day, I think he, he's one of those players and I it's just one of those things that I personally always get a kick out of is he he'll be a fun player that in um, 10, 15, 20 years, we, when we're talking or you're shooting, shooting the talk, uh, at a bar with somebody about Phillies baseball in the past, you, you're just going to be like, Oh, remember Andrew McCutcheon when he was a Philly, Bob, you're, and you're going to talk about how in his age, whatever season in 2021, he had this in, uh, rather incredible year overall, um, considering all the circumstances, but, yeah, he'll be a fun Philly to remember back on. I mean, not in the same vein of caliber of player, but I always like think of like a guy like Tommy Joseph. He wasn't around Philly long. He wasn't a tremendous player, but he, I mean, the dude hit a lot of tanks when he was with the Phillies for that short <laughs> brief time. And it, I just love, I just love thinking back about former Phillies like Tadahito Gucci. And I, I just yeah. I find that stuff fun, but yeah, end of the road for McCutcheon in Philly probably, but also uh, Andrew Knapp, right? I don't know if you yeah. mentioned Andrew Knapp. So yeah, the Phillies also had the op, uh, option to outright players and have that or have players elect free agency. So six players that we saw this past year are now free agents. Uh, relievers uh, J.D. Hammer and Ramon Rosso. Uh, Andrew Knapp, like you said, Ronald Torres, uh, Herrera, and Travis Jankowski. Uh, out of those guys, I don't really feel the need to bring any of them back, maybe outside of Torres. I mean, Torres. Yeah, uh, Torres' spot, like when you needed him to come in, he, he did a fine job. Yeah, exactly. I don't expect him to have uh, the season he had this year. Uh, not that this season was particularly great. It was a solid season, nothing special. But um, another fun again, one of those. Jankowski wasn't terrible either. No, Jankowski got off to a rough start, but towards as he went on, I thought he developed well in Philly. Mm-hmm. Um, Torres, I would consider maybe bringing back on the right deal, uh, or I mean, sure. he was in the he was in the farm system. Farm system. He was a depth guy down in AAA for a while yeah. before they brought him up. Maybe that's where he goes back to. I think he made himself a, little, a nice chunk of change. Not going to get anything crazy, of course, but maybe a couple extra hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Um, I mean, also the thought too is you know if Bryson Stott comes up, where's where's yeah. the spot for exactly Reyes or exactly. any of these utility guys? You know, Bryson Stott's better than any of those guys, and you have him on a probably similar contract that you'd be giving any of these guys anyway. So. Might as well give Bryson Stott the shot. Not exactly. even not even meaning to rhyme that, but uh, exactly. So I don't really see the need to bring any of them else back. Jankowski is another one of those guys that you could probably give him a minor league deal that if he's not caught up by so and so date that he can elect free agency. But 
Uh, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. There's still plenty, obviously, a long ways to go in the offseason. And uh, there may even be a transaction in, uh, transaction freeze if the uh, CBA isn't renewed by December 1st. So plenty of time to worry, I'll worry about all that. In other Phillies news, they announced on uh, Monday that all home games in uh, April, May, and September uh, during yeah during Monday through Thursday will be starting at 6.45. So uh, that, again, in case it wasn't totally clear, Monday through Thursday games, April, May, and September, all those home games will start 6.45. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday games will occur at their usual – start times any others as yeah, any other season five one o'clock yeah. and all that and that's and this move is just for the phillies to try to get more uh butts in the seats it's tough with those seven o'clock starts for kids especially mm-hmm. uh it with the school nights during the school year because i mean seven o'clock games they may not end till 10 10 30 and that's yeah, tough. i i'll never forget i know it was during the summer but still i i went to uh the one game Chase Utley hit a walk-off home run in the 15th inning. Yeah. And there were fireworks after the game. And I didn't get home till 3 o'clock in the morning. And, I mean, that was that was when I was younger, too. That was, you know, like 12-year-old yeah. me. So, yeah. I mean, 3 a.m. back then was, was, oh, my God. But, so, it's yeah, it's nice that they're starting them a little earlier. I'm kind of shocked, too. Um I know sometimes, I guess, day games, like I know, you know, they, I know they had day games during COVID and stuff during the week. Yeah. And there'll be day games, uh, throughout the week as well. I think, um, during the early parts of the season, but any of the evening games, yeah. uh, I, I think this is what summer, day. what's on like summer hits, hits, you know, it's going to be yeah. seven. When, once schools get out, um, end of May, early June, uh, Everything will go back to normal. Um, quick transaction of the Phillies. They claim uh, left-hander Ryan Sheriff off waivers from Tampa Bay. Uh, a nice little pickup for the bullpen. You see what you get out of him. Uh, it can't be much worse than what they had at times. Um, and then, obviously, the two big pieces on Monday evening was that uh, that uh, Bryce Harper is a National League MVP finalist and Zach Wheeler is a National League Cy Young finalist. It seems though it seems likely that Harper is going to end up winning the MVP on Thursday. Zach Wheeler, I would say, is a pretty long shot to win it. I would personally give to Cor- yeah. Corbin Burns, but at the end of the day, it's it's cool to see the Phillies have uh, both a Cy Young and an MVP candidate uh, out there. It's a shame that they wasted those two seasons and missed the playoffs, but it is what it is. But it is, but you know. yeah, I mean. Uh, it was nice to see Zach Wheeler have the season he did, especially considering, you know, we when we signed him, it was all always injury prone. You know, yeah. he can't throw that many innings. And for about three quarters of the season, he was looking like a Cy Young finalist. So he at, at least he's getting that recognition. He just the problem was he just tailed off at the end. You know, he yep. either ran out of gas or, you know, what, but he just couldn't do it. Um, I mean, the August Bryce had though, it, you know, and the timing of Tatis getting injured, it, it yeah, couldn't, it, it couldn't it, it come all a better out. time for Bryce. It and all this worked is, out perfectly. Yeah. And this, you know, this is what you asked for 
when you signed him, you know, you wanted MVP caliber numbers and he sure. did deliver. He did. Yeah. You know, obviously everyone looks at the home run stats, you know, and sees he doesn't, he hasn't been hitting those home runs, you know, the 35, 40, 45 home runs that you saw early on in his career, but he's doing other things. He's hitting doubles. He's still driving in runs. He's scoring yeah. runs. You know, he's, there's more to baseball than home runs. Exactly, exactly. Um, so we'll have to wait to Thursday to see if he does win MVP, but it does seem likely. Uh, he was voted the National League's most outstanding player by his peers last month. Um, so it does seem uh, likely. Even though that he was also voted the most overrated. <laughs> yeah, a, couple, a while back he was, yeah. Um, but let's uh, let's shift focus to the Flyers quickly here. Sure. Not, not not many, not much news really coming out about the Flyers lately. Um, Ryan Ellis is still out with his injury. Um, it is a bit concerning that it has turned from a day to day injury now into what is um, seems like a week to week injury. Do you I think saw Elaine what, Vigneault misspoke? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you no, off. No, no, you're good. Do you, Do you think he misspoke when he said day to day? No, I think like, it probably originally did start as a day-to-day injury um, or that they originally thought it was going to be. That's what I mean. And like, I don't think he, like, I, I think know. they'll be more selective when it comes to injuries going forward in terms of their right. um, vocabulary. But I, I don't think, I, I think they originally did think it was going to be day-to-day, but it just obviously mm-hmm. hasn't healed as they thought. Um Wade Allison has been skating. I, I saw that, um, which that would be a nice pickup for him to get back on uh, the ice and with the team. Same um, with Kevin Hayes too, right? Yeah, exactly. I, I haven't seen any updates on Hayes. I just may have missed it. Have you? Uh, yeah, I'll look just to make sure, but I think he practiced and there's thought that he could play next week maybe. Could play, not – you know, entirely yeah. sure, but um, I, I, I mean, it's it's encouraging the fact um, that he's even skating around. He and, so as of two days ago, this is from Pro Hockey Rumors. Kevin Hayes is eligible to come off long term injury reserve for the Flyers on Wednesday against the Maple Leafs. Uh, he probably won't be ready to return on Wednesday, but Elaine Vigneault won't rule hasn't ruled it out. Um, he's close then. Yeah. And that's why, and considering, you know, the Flyers, um, you know, just looking at their record, I mean, they've been playing pretty good hockey. I know some of the games have been kind of ugly for them, but, uh, you know, ugly wins, but they are 6-2-2. Two and two. Take that take yeah. that as you will, you know. Yeah. So he says, Vanyo said it is an outside chance more so, more so than anything that he plays against the Maple Leafs. But if he doesn't play against the Maple Leafs, I think at the very latest we see him return probably next Tuesday, though I think Friday or Saturday, uh, considering the vocabulary of uh, Elaine, is, uh, it could be likely as well. Um, on the ice, last time we talked, the Flyers, I think, were coming off that three-game road trip where they took two out of three against the Oilers, Canucks, and Flames, uh, losing to the Flames 4 nothing. Uh, but since then, they shot the Coyotes 3-0, um, lost to the uh, Penguins 3-2 in overtime, and then uh, beat the Caps 2-1, like you briefly mentioned, to start. So, I mean, mm-hmm. Flyers have continued to play pretty solid hockey here. They they had a good chance of beating the Penguins 
they gave the Caps their first loss of the season. Um, next four or five, so really the next, I mean. Dude, it's rough. Yeah, the next. Yeah, next nine. It's all and, playoff teams. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking to really the rest of the calendar year. Um, not Well, yeah, the rest of the calendar year for January, November, and December, sorry, is is pretty rough. I mean, um, I've only counted four or five games here against teams that shouldn't be playoff teams. So we're going to find out who the Flyers mm-hmm. are over the next uh month uh, month and a half yeah they might struggle a little early like you said that you know they're missing ryan ellis they're missing kevin hayes Derek brassard's playing higher up than he really should be which he's done decent for you know what's expected and i think once he probably shifts down he probably takes out nate thompson out of the lineup something like that wade allison might either push uh nicholas albe kubel or McEwen out, but um, I mean, like you said, they play the Leafs, Hurricanes, Stars, Flames, Lightning, Bruins. That's just December. Yeah, so it's it's an absolutely brutal, brutal. Not even one week, two week, three week stretch, but really the next two months. uh, Since we're still early November here, it's going to be it's going to be interesting interesting Mm -hmm. to see how they perform. Go ahead. Any thought? Any, any yeah, last thoughts? I, no, I was just going to say, I think the biggest thing, you know, biggest takeaway probably that we've seen so far in the first um, month, month and a half of uh, Flyers hockey is just Carter Hart's back and yeah. Martin Jones looks better than we expected. Yeah. Um, which, you know, which is I, big. Yeah, because when, if you were to go into this season, you know, and you were to say, what is the key to the Flyers, you know, making the playoffs or making any kind of noise, it's, well, the goaltending was so bad last year, and Carter Hart was so bad last year that it's a, you need a redemption tour. And not only are you getting a redemption tour from him, but Martin Jones, who had an 89% save percentage last year, has a 95% save percentage. Now, he's only played, what, like three, four games? Mm. So, you know, it's a very small sample size. Yeah. But it's encouraging that you're not seeing a guy letting up three to four goals a night. Yeah, absolutely, and I would say Martin Jones. Obviously, Carter's huge, uh, but Martin Jones being this good early on is uh, a huge storyline for the Flyers because if Carter wasn't performing at the level he has been the last few weeks, um, and if he struggles down this remainder of the season at some point, having a guy, if Jones can, he's not going to continue at this level, but if he can continue at a um, – a, a quality level. Um, yeah, slightly better than Brian Elliott was. Yeah, an above average level. That will be big for the Flyers in terms of their hopes of making the playoffs uh, at the end of the season. Uh, but let's uh, go to the Sixers where uh, there's a little bit of news to talk about here. Um, let's start with just the good stuff, which uh, e- even despite tonight's loss to the New York Knicks, uh, what was it, one of three is 96, um, the Sixers have been playing really good basketball. They're now eight and three on the season. Uh, they're going to be uh, still atop of the Eastern Conference standings. They may be tied for first place, uh, but they're still atop the Eastern Conference standings. Uh, they've lost just three games this season. Two of them have been to the Knicks, but the Knicks are going to be a team that gives a lot of good teams uh, struggles this season. 
Um, but what's been encouraging about the Sixers is they've been playing at a high level, despite, like you said at the beginning, without Tobias, without Ben, uh, and even parts without Embiid and uh, Matisse. Yeah. Prior to this loss to the Knicks, they defeated the Bulls, the Pistons, the Bulls, the Trailblazers with uh, pretty much I, all backups that game. I still can't believe they beat the, the Trailblazers that game, by the way. Yeah, that, that, that was that was an incredible performance out of them. And I, it, gave, it gave me a lot of hope going forward. Uh, they also beat the Hawks uh, and the Pistons again. Um, and so, I mean, their last two losses have been to the Knicks and their only other loss of the season came to the Nets. Um, now, tonight's game was the first of a back-to-back with the Knicks-Bucks. And this is where we have to kind of shift to the, to the negative stuff. And the big news coming out of six, the Sixers today was um, Joel Embiid has tested positive for covid he is symptomatic, so this is going to be something that he's not going to be back from in a short period of time. It sounds like this can be something that goes on for probably a week or two here, I'm assuming. I mean, how long has Toby been out at this point? Uh, at least a week. Yeah. So at least a week because I think his was his last, his last game might have been the Trailblazers. Yeah. If not, that was the first game he missed. It was. It was I, I like think that, no, he missed that game. He missed that game. So I think that yeah, because he he was like last minute, right? That they yeah. rolled him out. So yeah, he's been out about a week or so. Um, like you said, you know they're they're missing key guys, but um, you know going with those negatives for me, it's there's positives. I mean, Niang has played very well for what everyone expected him to do. Andre Drummond has been fantastic. He had 20 20 rebounds tonight. Yeah, he's filling in beautifully for Embiid when Embiid's not on the court. Provides, uh, in my opinion, a nice uh, boost defensively, which has been a problem when the Sixers uh, in the past have taken Embiid off the court. But he also has some upside offensively here and there. Um, He had 25 rebounds, by the way. But you're not paying him to be the guy offensively. You're paying him to get rebounds. You're paying him to be good defensively. And he's done just that so far as a sixer. I mean, you said 25 rebounds tonight. And that's, I mean, he's had games of uh, 10, 17, 15, 10 um, at other points already this season. I mean, the guy is only averaging, um, for the most part, about – 16, 17 minutes per game. Uh, and he's been putting up some ridiculous rebounding numbers. Uh, and we saw what he did over 38 minutes tonight uh, with that 25 rebounds and, and 14 points. There's also Plus one other ball. guy, unfortunately, we have to mention, Dylan, because without him, we're probably not winning any of these games. And it's my least favorite player. Probably least favorite player. You better not. You better not talk about my favorite Turkish basketball player. Oh, I'm talking about him. The Furkan Korkmaz. For I don't know how the greatest Kyle, shooter in the history. I don't know. Of w- like, did he pull like a like Mike and just like put on Steph Curry shoes, and all of a sudden he can hit every freaking three that he's ever seen? Yeah, what an what an incredible year he's had so far. Had 19 points against the Knicks here, 41.7 percent from beyond the arc. He, uh, coming into this game, he was hitting 
threes from by a 42% clip. I mean, he's been fantastic. When he gets to the line, he's making nearly all his free throws. Um, whatever got into Cork Moss this year, um, uh, it, it's been working out for the Sixers. I know he said it's kind of they to a point they're just drawing up more plays for him and allowing him to get the ball in some really uh, I quality think situations very, and open shots. I think they're playing a lot of very selfless basketball too. You know, they are like like it's not a dribble hand it off this is the no. play or dribble down and give it to Joel it's give it to Joel who then kicks it who yeah. then you know passes it again like it's they're doing that one more pass that you know it's the same kind of like hockey you know if they make one more pass over it's a goal they're doing the yeah. same thing here where they see the extra pass and Cork Moss is benefit benefiting from it from it. You know, I know Maxie's been playing very well. Seth Curry has been playing fantastic. You know, this ball movement, it's like Greg, Greg Popovich and uh, ball movement. Yeah. And, and coming into tonight's game, the Sixers were leading the NBA in offense efficiency. Yeah. Where last season they, I believe finished uh, 12th in the league. So, I mean, and this is without their best ball handler. Best ball handler. Um, now Joel's out, so we'll see how that goes. You know, like how, it, if it continues, um, Tobias Harris, who's probably one of your better scorers. Yeah. He almost had, what, the 50-40-90 last year? Yeah. Yeah. So, he's, you know, probably your most efficient scorer. So, um and it's also just like I quickly mentioned. It's it's also encouraging just seeing Maxi thrive in this role. It it really it, is. It is. I mean, uh, he's averaging fourteen point two points per game this year, four point seven assists, three rebounds. He's having a really good season. Uh, his player efficiency rating is a solid fifteen point two. But I mean, as a second year player. Um, who, who's I mean, still like with the minutes he had last year, it, it's almost like a first year kind of, yeah. You know, and he's like, still developing. I, and, and I didn't think he'd average this many, like three rebounds a game for like, he looked, he kind of seems a little smaller, you know, like, like for him to average almost five assists and three rebounds a game, I'll take 15 points from him. You know, that's one of those when the team's fully healthy, with Tobias and Joel on the court, you don't need him doing more than that. You really don't. No. But the fact that he's, he's for us, I guess, small, I don't want to say he's like tiny cause he's not, but you know, for his size, he can drive pretty well and he's shooting decently. He not is. anything crazy, but you know, and you he's not turning over the ball, which is yeah. big. And the Sixers as a whole are doing, a, I, I would say a rather solid job. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, funny enough, the guy who turn, turns the ball over the most is is Joel. Yeah. I mean, but uh, but outside Joel and on uh, and Andre Drummond, I mean, their their main guys are only really averaging one turnover per game. Yeah, and and I think it does help with the the extra, you know, the passing and the ball ball it distribution, does. you know, one guy holding on to the ball the entire time is going to lead him to him having more turnovers. So it's good to see that, you know, because they're distributing the ball more, it's 
creating more open shots, more open drives, you know, and, and like you said, the efficiency is just, you're, you're seeing it every night now. Sure. Well, all right. Let's get into the main focus of this podcast. Um, or the biggest topic you could say, uh, the Eagles, the Eagles fell again, um, on Sunday afternoon to the Los Angeles chargers, by by a final score of 27, 24 at home, their fourth home loss of the season. They have yet to win a home game this year, uh, which is definitely disappointing. It's their third loss in four games and their uh, uh, sixth loss in their last uh, eight games. Um, it's definitely been a struggle for the Sixer and Sixers for the Eagles over the last few weeks. We all know that outside that performance against the Lions. Um, that being said, I think there is some encouraging aspects to take away from this week's game. And I think the first one is it really is starting to feel like Nick Sirianni is coming a into his own as a play caller. He's understanding the team's strengths, weaknesses. He's understanding his what his offensive skill players can provide. Uh, his offensive line is starting to finally gel together now that they've been able to put it, uh, play together now a consistent lineup for a few weeks. Um, yeah, so, I mean, losing again sucks. Not winning at home sucks. Sure. But We did I, chalk this as an L probably before the season. We did. We did. We definitely – I mean, coming into the season, we chalked – looking at our schedule um, – we thought over the first four games of the season, they were probably at best a two and two team, but th- one and three was likely. Panthers, Bucks, Raiders, Lions, Chargers. We thought they probably were going to take two out of uh, three. Probably would have. We thought they were taking three out of five in this mm-hmm. one. Um, with the only uh, one that they failed to win there that we probably had them winning was the Raiders. So to a point, they're they're kind of living up to expectations. Yeah. But going back to this week's game, despite the loss, despite the defense, which we can get into, I thought this was Nick Sirianni's best game as in terms of just coaching and adjust and adjusting as the game goes on and and play calling the offense uh, so far this season for the Eagles. I mean. I thought he did a fantastic job this week, and he's not the reason the Eagles lost this game. Uh, Jalen Hurts is not the reason the Eagles lost this game, but um, I, I thought they both did. I thought, sorry, I thought Sirianni did a, a pretty bang yeah. up job. Yeah, I do too. And and like you said, with the maturity and growing as a play caller, I mean, you saw a prime example. The first, I think, six of the first eight plays he called were were pass plays. Um, he realized that, and then he ran it down their throat. You know, Nick against the week, against the worst rushing team right. in the NFL. Right, week week two. You know, Sirianni went out and threw the ball forty eight times or whatever it was. Uh, week three did the same thing. You know, he he got caught up in the pass. In this game, he started to, and he realized, "Hey, I can't do that." Um, the other thing I like too, you know, because he was able to run the ball effectively play action plays were open. I, I kind of wish I saw a little more play action from under sure. center, but um, I mean, sticking, I guess I'll go to Hertz then. I mean, he was doing things that 
we've been saying for the last couple of weeks, he wasn't doing, you know, he wasn't looking over the middle of the field. He wasn't reading, you know, looking at his receivers. He just first guy isn't there. I'm running, yeah. you know, and, and the prime example is, I mean, freaking Devonta Smith, five for one sixteen and a touchdown. And a lot of his throws were over the middle. Yeah. I mean, I thought Hertz had a pretty good game, all things considered. Sure. Um, yeah, it wasn't really, perfect. It really no, wasn't. But. No, and I mean, he missed a big one, a big touchdown opportunity there in the, was that the second quarter? It, yeah, the, the Dallas Goddard one you're talking about? Or are you Is talking that, about that, the Devonta Smith? Was it Devonta Smith who was running towards the corner of the end zone? In the back yeah, that, the was, zone? that was right before halftime. Yeah, and he threw and he threw a very bad non-competitive ball. But had he thrown a good pass, it would have been an easy touchdown. I mean that that play sticks out to me as one he had to make. Make and he missed some other, uh, I think, crucial throws. But overall, I think Hertz looked really solid. Eleven for seventeen, one hundred sixty-two, uh, which is nine and a half yards per attempt, and a touchdown. Um, I thought he I thought he was solid. We've really seen the Eagles take the ball out of his hands the last two weeks mm-hmm. and not have a, as big of an impact on the game. But I think in the long run, that may benefit him because he, he's not trying to do too much. He's not trying do too to much now. Yeah, he, he's, be a hero. He's, yeah, exactly. And they're, they're, he's had success when they have thrown the ball over the last two weeks because they've been running the ball at such an extreme clip and a strong clip. I mean, 39 for 176 and two touchdowns this week uh, is some really solid numbers. And it's not like they had one or two really long runs of 30, 40, 50, 60 yards. The longest run the Sixers, ha- Sixers the Eagles had this week was 18 yards by Jordan Howard. Yeah. Um, and I, I, this is giving me a lot of hope for when Sanders does come back. He's um, uh, obviously a different type of running back than Jordan Howard. But they're kind of, I, kind of similarly built, in a yeah. way. Um, they're more up the middle guys. They're stocky guys. Yeah, their their um, run style is kind of the same. Even though Jordan Howard's a little bigger, Jordan Howard's kind of a finesse guy for some reason. You know, he tries yeah. to be a little finesse. He can run you over, but um, yeah, like you said, I think the biggest point is it's encouraging. You know, it's encouraging to see he's willing to run the ball. I know. Yeah. Jeffrey Lurie likes passing the ball, but the fact that you're you are now given hope that you could see a balance because you're you're not going to run the ball 39 times a game. You're just not. You know, that's not how you win football games. It's how you dictate the clock. But, you you know, you can't win games like that for for 60 minutes. Um, Like you said, Chargers are 32nd in the league in rushing yards per game. The Lions were 29th. That's why you're able to run the ball that way. But when Miles comes back, you're hoping, you know, you see a balance with him. And um, I think you're going to get more explosive runs, too. I I really do. He's a better running back than either guy. Um, We all all know about his stats in terms of (laughs) most runs over or explosive runs or most runs over so-and-so yardage. Um, the only other things I really got offensively is again, I think it's worth emphasizing, uh, this offensive line is now kind of really coming into their own now that they've played a few weeks with the same lineup and we're starting to see that in the run game and the, uh, 
pass protection. I mean, that's a Joey Bosa good. did eat them alive, though. I will they, like he started to. He did, but they only gave up one sack. That helps mm-hmm. that Jalen is mobile, uh, but yeah. only one sack, and they ran the ball really well mm-hmm. throughout the game, which I think is big. Um, additionally, they didn't pass the ball a ton, obviously, only 17 passing attempts. But I am very happy to see how they kind of split up the targets uh, in this game. Um, out of the out of the 16 targets they had, because um, one of them was, uh, I think, a throwaway, um, 12 of the 16 targets were to Devontae Smith or Dallas mm-hmm. Goddard, which is exactly how this offense needs to be. We've been saying it for weeks, but when it comes to passing the ball, those two guys need to be the focal point of your passing attack and need to get upwards of 60% plus of the total targets. Does it concern you, though, that like Jalen Rager and Quez not weren't a part of the game plan, but like they just haven't made like they didn't make an impact at all? Really? Um, yeah, because week, because otherwise, what teams are going to do is they're just going to cue in on on Devonta and Dallas Goddard, and you need someone else to make a play. Sure, and it is, uh, uh, I think, a decent worry, especially with Quez, because Quez started the season really hot, but the last two weeks, just five receptions for tw- sorry, four receptions for twenty seven yards. Um, I do think he, they, he at least Quez needs to become a bigger part of the game. Or Rager, either one. But, yeah, it's a little concerning, but at the same time I'm not awfully concerned because we are, all things considered, talking about a rather limited sample size in terms of passing attempts in a game. But overall, I thought this offensive game plan this week was one of the best by Nick Sirianni. Mm-hmm. It got off to a rough start with those first couple plays and with the heavy pass. But after the, after they kind of settled in in the game, he started going to the run and was um, just run down, running the ball down the Chargers' throat, going ground and pound. And I thought it worked out really well. The offense wasn't the reason they lost this game. They'd leave some points out there, but I, I thought overall this was a, a, a solid offensive effort and uh, a nice game out of Nick Sirianni's uh, offense. Yeah, I think there were probably three, three passes that I think – I would have liked to see Jalen make. Um, but as a whole, I think he kind of had a decent game. You know, nothing nothing crazy. You didn't ask him to do anything crazy, and that's kind of why you know, you, you like this kind of game plan is you're not asking Jalen to do too much. The one was, like you mentioned, the Devonta Smith um, at the end of the half. Got a, it's a tough throw. Would have liked him to see it kind of lofted, and even Devonta said, "You know, you everyone on this on the TV saw Devonta saying, put the ball up because yep. he, you know, Devonta's not afraid to go up, even though he's smaller. You know, he beat the guy to the corner. You know, just just trusting him. Um, the second one's the Dallas Goddard deep ball. It hit Dallas in the hand, but it was one of those like kind of it was full extension." Um, that's either a touchdown or that's a 50-yard play, probably 30, 40, 50-yard play. And the other one was, I think he rolled out. It was in the red zone. He rolled out, 
Jalen. And he had Quez. I think Quez beat the guy. He was a linebacker over the middle. And I think Quez might have had a touchdown if he caught it. Yeah. Um, and Jalen ended up running, I think, for like a couple yards. They ended up, I think that was the Jordan Howard touchdown um, drive. So I either way, yeah, either, they got the seven points anyway. So it's not that big of a deal, but that's one of those, you know, you, you would just like to see him. I, I'm not trying to nitpick, nitpick no, but no, that's a pass I, that you would just like to see him maybe make. Yeah, no, absolutely, because at the end of the day, I mean, it, if we're being completely honest, those are the type of games that you need to have to win these games. It's it just it is how it is. It, it it's not fair to put an entire blame on a quarterback. And, no, and we're yeah. not. And we're not. We're not doing that at all. We're not. But there was just th- that was three throws. At, at very much at the end of the day, those I mean, this is the NFL. Those plays end up mattering ninety nine percent of the time. Um, but let's transition to the defense where, oh again, boy, oh they boy. didn't allow the big play again. No, which, they, or, well, they did, but it wasn't a touchdown. Correct. Mike, Mike Williams had what a 50 yard catch, which Darius Slay probably played the best coverage he could have. That was a somehow perfectly thrown ball yes. to Mike Williams. I mean, I mean, the Chargers did throughout the day have some medium range worth. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was, of, I think, the one deep shot, right? Yeah, that was the longest pass. I mean, they did have passes of 23, 19, 19, 18, 14, 15. But, again, th- but this has been the Eagles' MO defensively all season. Don't allow the big pass play defensively and try to keep the ball in front of you and hope that you can just kind of get – Three or get a couple stops and you know get out of it uh, without allowing too many yards and obviously some points. Unfortunately for the Eagles, they've been playing such soft coverage, and we saw it again this week that quarterbacks are just able to complete ridiculous amount of passes um, against this defense all year. I mean, after this week in which um, Justin Herbert, who I had on fantasy, so. This is one of those annoying performances. performances My dad calls for, it a yay boo. Yeah. I mean, 32 for 38, 356 is great. But if he was going to have that type of performance and the Eagles were going to lose, uh, I almost would have rathered him do 32 for 38, 356, and like five touchdowns with the game never being close. Mm-hmm. Um, because um, it, Which it's very a good well performance. Could. Yeah, I was going to say forward, very but... well could have too because the Eagles had to make f- two fourth and goal stands. Yeah, but it's good performance, but it's one of those performances that may not necessarily win you a fantasy game. Uh, that being said, uh, he's now the fifth quarterback this season, I believe, to complete 80% or more of his passes against this Eagles defense, which, I mean, that is an insane number. Just, just one A to allow... 80% of uh, passes to be completed in one game, yeah. but five, five games out of yeah. nine is just, I mean, that's insane. Well, and there was two problems too. Number one was they got zero pressure on yep. Justin Herbert. And this isn't a good Chargers offensive line. I'm pretty sure it's a pretty okay. injured one and they couldn't take advantage of it. The other problem is like you mentioned, we're playing, 
we're playing like seven yards off the ball. So all they're going to do is run slants, run a curl, everything. Yes, you aren't going to get beat over the top for a deep ball. Like you mentioned, intermediate throws, 20 yards, they might run, you know, for yards after catch and get the the extended play, but they're not getting beat, you know, past the safeties. However, you don't, they don't need to rely on it if you're just going to give them five yards every time. Yep, exactly. And the other thing this defense didn't do this week was um, they didn't bring a ton of pressures. No. Uh, and, I mean, Herbert's a type of quarterback that you need to get him uh, flustered in the pocket. He didn't look or, comfortable in the beginning either, by the way. He didn't, but they allowed him to be too comfortable down the stretch, and especially late down the stretch when it ended up mattering the most. Yeah, I like at first I was like, oh my, we might actually have a shot because Herbert, you know, he missed he missed Keenan Allen on an easy out. Yeah. On an easy out. Yeah. That would have been a first down and he missed him. And I was like, oh my goodness, you know, maybe the crowd might get a little to him, you know, kind of disrupt him a little bit. Nothing crazy, but just, you know, kind of throw him, throw him off. And, um, we're, you know, the, the crowd showed up for the beginning and then it, you know, the second the chargers were literally able to go down the field and do whatever they wanted every single drive. It, it didn't matter. You know, the run defense stuffed them. Like, like I mentioned, two fourth downs, they were not unable to convert early in the game. I thought that was going to set the tone. And, you know, then as the game went on, they couldn't, you know, the run defense got worse and worse and worse. It did, and it, it's a shame because overall the numbers aren't that bad. 27 for 89, but I, I also think that the last series, the Eagles, I mean, just I, they got gassed and it had nothing left in the tank when they needed big stops. And, I mean, credit the Chargers because they got the Eagles forced that third and that fourth and one. Uh, the Chargers – Called a timeout. Uh, they were in field goal range. Um, called a timeout, but decided, you know, let let's go back out there. Let's see if we get the first down. And, and the Chargers did. And that was a smart move because that Eagles offense at that time was moving the the ball pretty well consistently throughout the game at uh, throughout that portion of the game. And if the Eagles got the ball back there, I, I felt confident that they would find a way to move down the field and, if not win the game, at least tie the game. Uh, but the Chargers ended up getting the first down, and after that first down on that fourth and one, they just had nothing left in the tank. It felt like, and uh, was it Eckler who got the last big run at the yeah, end? Yeah, he like he like dove, like it was almost like you press square in Madden and attempted yeah. a goal line leap, but he got he, that, he, yeah, he like leapt like a yard early. Yeah, so it kind of looked really weird, but I mean, it got the job done. He probably, you know, if he didn't jump, he probably would have had a ten to fifteen yard gain. Yeah, yeah. There's that one, and then at the very end, uh, when it was going to be about a forty some yard field goal, I think uh, there was. It had to be him. Uh, he he just gashed right up mm-hmm. the middle of the offense of the yeah, defense, yeah, and uh, made it a chip shop field goal attempt and, and and that's all she wrote i mean yeah, I, I, just, I, I think, think they the, just ran out of gas 
the one and the one play, you know, they put I think it was the one fourth down, they put Keenan Allen in motion. Davion Taylor followed him, whether I don't know if it was because they were playing man or they just needed to put someone on Keenan Allen. But I mean, Davion Taylor is probably him and TJ Edwards were having the best days when it comes to the linebacker position. And it also took a guy out of the box. So I think that kind of helped the Chargers from doing, you know, from maybe Davion Taylor gets in there and stuffs them. You know, you don't yeah. know. It's just one less guy they had to worry about. And at the end of the day, it got the job done. Agreed. Um, my other thought with the defense is with this one, we, we talked about the, the pass defense. Uh, we talked about the run game. Um, I also felt like for a lot of the game here, let me, let me pause because I'm. I just had it on top of my, top of my tongue, but I can't remember. Oh God, what was it? Maybe it's. Can I can't remember now. I had to my tongue. I thought you were getting to Derek Barnett. No, no. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna just delete the last twenty seconds I spoke. Um so what was the last thing you, you said? Um I mentioned the Davion Taylor thing and then All right. Uh just so I'll just quickly mention that I thought Taylor had a good game. Yeah, I, I thought Davion Taylor had a, a really uh, solid game. He's definitely developed into a, a nice little linebacker there for the Eagles. Uh, I think we're still a year or two away from knowing what he actually is, but yeah. Yeah, I agree. He's He, he was a project when they drafted him. Uh, still a bit of a project, but there's some upside there that he's shown. Um, I thought TJ Edwards was solid as well mm-hmm. in the game. Uh, really, those two have been... Uh, nice surprises here over some part of this early season. Um, yeah, I, I think there's some pauses to take away from this, but at the end of the day, uh, no matter if you're ru- how your rush defense, run defense does or uh, who steps up or not, the Eagles are just playing unsustainable. Not even it's not even unsustainable because they're not winning. Or just not don't have a winning formula on defense with this mm-hmm. soft shell coverage. Uh, you can give up zero rushing yards a game, but if your defense is allowing quarterbacks to complete 80% of the passes, it's not going to matter because they'll just continue to pick you apart up and down the field throughout well, the game. And, and part of me does think that Gannon just doesn't have the uh, personnel. I mean, to his credit, he has tried to change things. You know, yep. He has tried some disguise. It didn't work. He's tried stunting he's tried man and he's getting the same results so to an extent i do think it is personnel and maybe he has his hands you know in the air going i don't know what to do but this dude was heralded as a up-and-coming head coach agreed so i don't think they fire him this year i really don't just because like I said, he doesn't have the personnel. Yeah, you only you have to give him, I think, one off season 
minimum? Yeah, I mean, I think they will. Because hypothetically, if you think about it, you know, they have the offseason, they can sign whoever. I don't know who's a free agent. We haven't we haven't even looked that far. But then when it comes to the draft, you're thinking they take best available defensive player, whether that's yep. Stingley, uh if if they have a high enough pick for Thibodeau, you know, um a safety, you know, they're taking the best guy. Then their second sure. pick is about probably what it seems about four picks later. They're taking another defensive guy unless they take an offensive lineman. Yeah, agreed. So I think, you know, those core pieces could be drafted in this in this draft. Yep. And and plus, you know, you, you add guys in the, in the offseason. You just – I think Jeffrey Lurie and, and Howie Roseman going into this year knew what this team was going to be and weren't aren't going to make these decisions, oh, we're going to fire this guy because we literally didn't give him anybody on defense. Yeah, I think ultimately my worry is is no matter who you bring in, like, how, are we going to see that big of a change in the scheme? And the scheme is the issue right now. Yeah, but like what? Like that? That's what I mean. Is he's tried to change it in the sense of you know like disguise, and he's tried single you know man or single uh, safety you know yep. man like what. I don't know what else he's supposed to do or what else he thinks he can do with the personnel he's given. Uh, yeah, I think that's I think that's an overall fair assessment. Especially because I what this scheme is very predicated on the def- on the linebackers, right? Correct. Correct. And we have what college linebackers basically, like for the most part. Right. So I think to that extent, it's bad. The the more concerning part for me, besides you know just the scheme and how the defense as a whole looks, this defensive line hasn't looked that good. Oh, I I one hundred percent agree. And it, and I'm not even just talking about right Derek Barnett. I mean Fletcher Cox hasn't has, looked the same. I I mean Fletcher has been dead quiet all year, and it's been extremely disappointing season. Yeah. Josh Josh Sweat had that one game where he had what two and a half sacks or whatever it was. Yeah, he had and then one. you have Derek Barnett, who once again takes the dumbest penalty you could possibly take. I don't know if you saw the video of from the um, from the TV of Fletch and Josh Sweat after he jumped off sides. Um, I don't think I did, but I mean, even the even the announcers were talking about oh, how God. the how the um, coaching staff has yeah. just been annoyed by Barnett's stupid penalties throughout. Well, and the problem too is like they don't have anybody to replace it. You know, it's not like it's not like they can threaten to take him off the field because who who's there? You know, Brandon Graham exactly. is out. You can't just throw Josh Sweat in to replace him. But um, no, so the video, and I'll send it to you, Dylan, is just, I think, from someone's TV or something. And it's when he jumped off sides. And if you look, Josh Sweat bangs his fists on the ground and then both of them shake their head in disappointment. Like, because they know it's him. (laughs) They know it's him. The one guy. It's been, he's been so. Just so disappointing throughout the year. Well, um, for his career, not even through the yeah. I was gonna say not even throughout the year, just for his entire career outside of 
um, a handful of plays. Uh, at the end of the day, I mean, he still has the biggest fumble recovering Eagles history, yeah. but yeah. Um, I just, yeah, what a, what a bust he has been. Um, and it's a shame because he's he has really good potential, but he's just never been able to, A, be smart enough on the field, and B, been able to put it all together uh, when uh, yeah. he has to. Yeah. Um, oh, I forgot to mention this when we were talking about the offense because I think we're kind of wrapping up here. But um, yeah. Devonta didn't have any drops, I don't think. No, Devontae's been – there's been a few weeks now that Devontae's really starting, I feel, to come into his yeah. own. He's doing God, He's doing good, not dropping the football. I, and, he, I mean, I, I'm, I've been really – He's on pace for 1,000 yards, by the way. Yeah. I know he was close before this game, but obviously now with the big game, I thought uh, – I imagined he had to be right around there. But, no, I don't want to say impressed because I think we knew about the potential, but um, he's – He's been really good over the last few weeks, and it's really nice to see. Yeah, I think I honestly think he'd be pushing Jamar Chase more um, for the rookie of the year if earlier in the season, you know, uh, Jalen looked over the middle of the field more. Because I think if you go look back at the tape, Devonta's open quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely. I mean. He had his op. I don't want to say he had his opportunities because yeah. it wasn't entirely his fault, but there was definitely the ability for him to be a bigger candidate for rookie of the year this year uh, had he been able to put up yeah. some more stats now, at the beginning of the season. Yeah, now Jamar Chase having a 200 yard game isn't going <laughs> to. No, Jamar Chase, Jamar Chase is very deserving yeah. of running away with this rookie of the year uh, trophy uh, because he's, I mean, he's been insane. Thank you, Dynasty, by the way. I have the, no, I have him, Devon, uh, Devontae Adams, and Debo Samuel. It's a pretty nice problem <laughs> to have a wide receiver. Yeah, yeah, such a problem, such a pain. Who do I start? Such a pain. But um, yeah, I think that's really it. I, I I think I I don't really have much on the Eagles. I'm not as disappointed as everybody else. Like everyone else seemed upset about this game, and I mean. Like I said, you and I expected them to lose this game going into yeah. the year. Then they, I don't want to say it's a, like I hate the moral victory crap, but no, it, you saw encouraging things, especially on offense after how this team's been for the last couple of months. Yeah, I'm not a believer in moral victories not in, in any way. But this team, I think, has shown some improvements and they play the way they played on Sunday for the remainder of the year, they're going to win their fair share of games. And I don't, I don't know if they sneak into the playoffs, but this is going to be a, a team that is at least a, a competitive team going down the stretch. Yeah. And then especially this year, that's all you can really ask. I mean, they do have the easiest schedule or one of them going, you know, for the rest of the year. I know the Broncos just handed it to Dallas, which is, one of my favorite things I could have witnessed this uh, yeah, Sunday. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that one. No, well, here here's the thing. I'll, I'll go on a little thing about Dallas real quick. This is what they do. They feast on the crappy teams, and then they their fans say, look how great our team is. We're Super Bowl contenders. And then they play one half good team. I know they beat the Chargers, but, I mean, uh, that's one good team that they've beaten. But then they lose to Denver. You know, like the second they play good teams, 
they're not as good as they were anymore. Yeah. And, 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 you know, the Eagles did have one of the easier schedules in 2017. You can only play who's in front of you, but this is, this is what they do all the time. They, they feast the weak teams. And then when they play a team, they lost to Tampa Bay. No. Yeah. I I definitely think, I, I do think that the Cowboys are the, the top, team in the MC East and I'm not sure it's particularly close just because I don't think the Eagles have the depth uh, to be that team but um, I, I, I've not been a believer in the Cowboys or Super Bowl contenders this year uh, are they a playoff team? Absolutely but uh, let's let's calm the horses on Super Bowl talk, talk for the Cowboys. Yeah considering you still have um the Packers and the Cardinals, by the way. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, that team still has some big defensive issues. And yeah, I Trayvon, Trayvon Diggs, Diggs got smoked. Well, Trayvon Diggs has, is, is on track to give up like the most yards in the NFL this year. Um, or is giving up the most yards in the NFL so far. This Seems year. like he hates the double move, by the way. Oh, I, I mean, it, it's, but it, in today's NFL, you'll, You'll trade an, an interception per game if it means true giving up uh, a bunch of uh, yards. True, but yeah, they still they have big problems defensively. Offensively, they're obviously going to be a very good team. Mm-hmm. Um, they did have did have a tough week this week, but uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the Cowboys bounce uh, honestly bounce back after this game. But how the Cowboys play going forward. Yeah, um, I mean, I still think you and I both can agree that it's the same. They're going to win the division, or they should. Yeah. But um, they play. We play with the Broncos, right? Coming up on at four o'clock. Yeah, they travel out to Denver this weekend to face the Broncos. Don't think they've won in Denver since nineteen eighty nine or oh, wow. uh, some year like that. So um, it, going out to a place where the uh, they, they've had no success. Yeah. I mean, we'll we'll get into that what probably Thursday, Thursday Friday ish kind of time probably. Yep. Um. So, yeah, that's all. That's all I got on the uh, the Eagles Flyers and uh, basically everybody in this town tonight. Dylan, what about you? Yeah, I think that's all I got. I mean, it's uh, it's like we said, top. It hasn't been all doom and gloom in Philadelphia recently. A lot of positives, um, a couple negatives, but I mean. Uh, all in all, you got to feel good about where uh, this, the improvements the Eagles have made. Yeah. Uh, the Sixers bench proven to be of quality. The Flyers' success. Um, mm-hmm. And with the Phillies, who the hell knows what's going to happen there? This is a big offseason for them. Yeah, it is. And we'll get we'll probably get more into it uh, closer to the winter meetings. But um, – yep. I think this wraps it up for another episode of Cheesesteaks in the 700 level. I'm Austin Mancini. He's Dylan Callahan Crowley. You can find us at in the 700 on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, you can follow our Facebook page, Cheesesteaks in the 700 level. And uh, don't forget to follow us, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all those fun places. And uh, don't forget to recommend to your friends and leave a review. Gonna be said about it myself. Uh, have a great uh, week, everybody, uh, and we'll talk to you guys real soon. Go birds. <laughs>